Hey everyone, on today's episode, I sit down with Dina Shale. She is a qualified medicine horseway instructor and she is in the UK. She began her not-for-profit organization in 2015 with a view to help individuals that had lost their way in life using horses as a reflective tool. It was her own childhood trauma and her own path of healing through horses that brought her to a place where she wanted to create an organization to help people much in the way that she was helped by the equine. What's really cool is through her resilience program, she serves foster and adopted children, but she doesn't just focus on the children. She gives sessions to the parents as well and helps them understand where their energy, where their behavior, where their history and past can show up in their parenting, how to kind of acknowledge that and how to heal themselves so that they can show up and be the best parents for their children. She has a great and interesting story a great perspective and I can't wait for you guys to hear. Let's do this. Hi, I'm Rebecca Britt and this is the Stable Moments Podcast, the show where we discuss all things related to the foster care system and early childhood trauma. From foster parents, trauma experts, former foster kids and beyond, we'll take a deep dive into the complexities of the foster care crisis in an effort to better understand how to fix it. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. It's so interesting to speak with somebody that's doing similar work um, in another country always. And, you know, I speak so often to, you know, American, an American audience that it's nice to bring in different perspectives and understand different parts of the world. So thanks for, for joining us. I would love to start with just asking you a little bit about your history and how you got to be somebody that is offering equine services. Okay, so my journey with horses came about at the the very early stages in my sort of uh, early years, sort of seven, eight, nine, and I first found my love of horses um, when I was very young. Uh, and then um, my parents sold the house and the horse had to go. Um, so um, I went through my 20s, my early 20s, feeling sort of unfulfilled and like there was part of a jigsaw that needed to be filled. Um, and um, I started to read books um, and um, self-help books because um, I suffered quite a bit of trauma as a child, uh, all the way from seven years old. Um, and I knew there was some healing that needed to be done, but I was looking for, for inspirational people and people I could aspire to, to be able to help heal the wounds. So um, I came across a book uh, in my um, 30s, my early 30s, and the work of a lady from America. And I, I read her book and it inspired me to work more with horses and to be able to use the horses to help other people because horses had really helped me in my journey and I was blown away by this book that that um, was about a woman's healing with her horse and um, she's got this amazing black horse and I've always been drawn to black horses and um, she she um, found um, help and um, solace in, in this horse um, and that, that sort of took me on a bit of a journey of learning about equine science and a little bit about the psychology of horses and how they, as a prey animal, how they're really important to us in our development. Um, I also had a really nasty accident as well um, in my early 30s and had a bolted horse and got dragged. Um, and that also led me to sort of uh, learn a little bit more about natural horsemanship. So I took myself on a holistic journey, really, of learning with horses. And it really started when I was quite young. So they spread across my life, but not being in my life all that time. Yeah. So you talked about some childhood trauma. So how do you feel like that trauma impacted you as a, as a you know, child, as a young adult? Um, it obviously started to frame, uh, who you are today. So if you could speak to how it impacted you. Oh my God, massively. Um, I think it changes you as a person. 
Um, it lives alongside you. I'm not convinced it goes away. Um, I thought it might do in my 40s, but 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 I think it lives alongside you and it is always, you know, your partner in your life. Um, but I think it's how you manage it, how you process it, how you um, use it um, in your life. Some people use it in a negative way. I've, I've turned it around and I use it in a positive way. You know, I, I help people and I also help uh, rescue horses. We've got a charity um, that, that rescues horses and I understand the process. And I think uh, the impact um, that it, it, it has on my life is, um, I don't know whether you could see it maybe from the outside, but certainly, you know, from the inside, I know it's there and it's something you think about all of the time. It is something you manage as time goes on. You know, it is something that is always there and it's how you manage it and how you, but I, I don't suppose I learned to manage it until I, I got into my late thirties. And that's a real shame because I didn't, couldn't find any solutions to how I was feeling. And I think people see you and perceive you as being a little bit different or a little bit strange because you react differently to things. And that's, that's, that's what triggers or the signs that people look for. But equally, horses react to that as well. So I've got a pony in particular I use with trauma children and she senses it and she has empathy with it. So I think anybody that is connected to energy and knows a lot about energy will recognize it in your in your body language and in your body but equally the horses do so horses recognize because they're a prey animal they recognize those those things that are happening in you and that was why i was drawn to horses well we have a lot of um foster adoptive parents a lot of program directors that listen to this podcast and you know what did it so you said that you didn't get around to being able to really heal this trauma until your 30s so what does like 15 to 30 look like when you're trying to make meaning of your world and you have maybe negative coping mechanisms i don't know what you gained through your trauma that that maybe didn't serve you but what does that look like the the journey into adulthood when you're not really prepared for yeah, I think it either gives you, it either stunts your growth. It's a little bit like horses when they have trauma in the early years. Um, it stunts their development. Uh, and I think as a, as a, a child uh, from, that has trauma, I think it stunts your growth as a person and a natural growth because of the way that your body reacts to the trauma. Uh, and I think your development isn't at the same rate as everybody else's which you know we don't have to all keep up in the, at the same pace um i i think you're through your 20s regardless of whether you've got trauma or not you're you're looking to discover who you are and you're also um channeled by the way that 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 society expects you to be you know if you're you know from a religious family or from a from a non-religious family, depending on what they, their expectations are, you're sort of going along with what is expected of you. And, and then you start to come against the obstacles and it's the obstacles that then make you look at things in a slightly different way or look for the answers that you might not have had before because the patterns that you've learned to develop uh, and the patterns that you've, you've created your coping don't always serve you right. So, um, you know, I, I thought that the way forward as a young, um, as a young woman in my teens was to be quite aggressive and quite assertive. Um, and obviously that didn't serve me well going into my twenties and in a work environment because I was very hostile to people and very, uh, standoffish as an English word that we use where you're, you you very much create a barrier around you and a boundary and the strategies and the skills that I've learned didn't come from parenting and it certainly didn't come from, from a work environment. It came from the horses and learning about how to have healthy boundaries and how to feel safe in an environment, but also listen to my own instincts that were right rather than seeking that outside approval. Um, mm. And they're all things that I've learned over time. And I suppose in a way, I feel like I've been lucky that I found the horses because they've been able to give me that development that I needed, but I found it more later. Like I say, I, my development was really stunted because of the trauma that I'd been fighting with. 
so um i feel that i feel like i've had time stolen from me in a way at times because i should have known this 10 years ago i should have found this 10 years earlier um but obviously i'm lucky i found it anyway yeah yeah so walk me through a little bit of your journey finding uh the horses finding that book and then going through the process of healing to get you to a point where you felt like you could serve others right because we need to go through a certain amount of our own stuff hopefully before we turn around and, and share it with the world so so bring me through that process for you okay so I, I suppose i found the work that i do um when i was in my 30s i can't remember exactly but probably about 15 to 17 years ago so i was probably early 30s um and i started to read the books and started to feel um like i'd found this thing that i was looking for i wasn't sure what it was i was looking for but i knew i felt unfilled but when i found this i felt like that ah moment um, so I, I found a training course that I could go on that gave me an opportunity to um, go and work with um, people that could show me how to facilitate um, the work that I needed to do. So I knew that I wanted to help people with it. I knew I'd got some work I needed to do on myself and I think that's ongoing. Um, but I knew that I needed to um, get, I needed to find somebody that could give me the strategies that I would need to help myself, but also then help others. Felt that I found that and I started on the journey actually um, of learning and then my marriage failed. Mm. So that almost held me up a little bit. So I couldn't do my work because I, I wanted to set the business up 10 years ago and then my marriage failed and I had to go back to work full time. So I almost had to get that out of the way before I could go and then work on myself to then learn how to, to help people with it. So the way of the horse, my business plan was written about 12 years ago and then I wasn't able to help people um, until uh, I wasn't able to start my journey um, until sort of, six years ago so it took me six years really to again then find I found the work then had to wait and then uh, had to find somebody that that I could then go and start my training with and and initially sort of 12 years ago this work wasn't in the UK it was in in Arizona in America but it wasn't in the UK so that would have meant me flying to and from the states to do the training um, so in the UK the, the work started to come about about eight years ago and then six years ago i found it in in um somerset um so i got myself on a course six years ago um after i'd had a number again of, of failed work opportunities you know i had some very well-paid jobs and some very good positions but i knew that life was still taking me in the direction that i felt i needed to go um, so I gave up work um, and decided I wanted to set the way of the work, the way of the horse up. And um, I started on that journey and then everything fell into place. It was almost like this is the time, it's, the time is now right. So my training started, I then booked onto another training course uh, and then another one and, and each one fell into place at the right time. And then I found a piece of land and I'd already got horses that I could use and i started the journey and then the work started to come in it was almost like it all fell into place at the right time but i had to had to learn many things along the way before the universe would allow me to start and, and i also had to be ready so i had to do my own personal development um the apoda work is very much you go and do the work on yourself to be able to to release your your trauma and um, and then you're in a position then to be ready. And it really was strange how it all fell into place at the same time. It was the first time in my whole life that everything's fell into place so easily. And everything was falling into place, but it wasn't always as easy as it sounds. There was lots of ups and downs of learning and, and developing the business and, and also developing the programs as well, which we developed on site so we developed the resilience program which is what we use with foster children and their families 
Um, and then um, we also developed um, the Project Pony, which is the rehabilitation of a human with a rehabilitation of a, a horse. So, you know, you get this shut down horse that comes in that has had abuse or been abandoned all of the same things that the children are going to be going through or being through and then they can see the rehabilitation or how in a mirror that looks to people on the outside so you either get the 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 horse that's in fight flight um, or freeze and and then children can see how that looks from the outside so in actual fact you're not teaching to the children you're teaching about the the horse which they don't need you to be specific and say that's what you look like mm. this is how you look from the outside this is this is what this animal is going through and, and in a way we are you know a descendant of an animal you know we were originally were an ape so so you know the programs have developed over that that time and and, and now we're at year five going into year six so um i'm a massive um lover of of learning about trauma because i've experienced it and i've i've been through it and i understand it from it from a, a survivor's point of view but i'm always looking for new ways to learn about how it affects us in our body and how it affects um, the horses as well and how it affects children because obviously having had trauma from a very young age i do understand that there is there is a lot of things that, that I do as an adult that reflect back to me as a child. So, so that, was that too long or? No, that was perfect. So, so with the families that you serve, families that are either kids that have early developmental trauma, now do they usually come by themselves? Do they usually come with family members? So um, we normally get referred from, uh, we have a couple of companies over here in the UK that refer people in and they usually come with their adoptive parents. Okay. Um, but I always work with the adoptive parents first because what I've learned over the years is that, that people are wanting me to fix the child where it's more about working with the whole unit. Um, so I always work with the parents first and we do our workshops. We look at how trauma affects animals without the children being there and how animals do a very similar sort of thing to us and how we can also look at um, children uh, from a trauma point of view in a, in a different way. Um, and then I start the resilience program um, which can be either six or 10 weeks long depending on, on the age of the child because of their learning ability. Uh, and we try and work particularly with um, my trauma pony, which suffered a, uh, quite badly at the hands of some brutal men when she was younger. And she's at 25 now. So she's the safest pony in, on the in the world um, with children especially, but she won't work with men. Um, so she's particularly good with, with children and she recognizes trauma straight away and will approach the children um, as soon as um, she she meets them, and there's no there's total empathy with her. So yeah, we we get people in, um, and um, they we work with the adults first, and then the children, and then we bring it all together. So there's there's a combination of how we we do the the programs. I really I love that because as a I was a post adoption social worker, so I would go talk to adoptive parents, and a lot of the time I would get parents that would kind of report this is what they did wrong, this is what we're dealing with, they're lying, they're stealing, they're manipulative. And you know, over time I really learned that the parents are going through a whole bunch of stuff too. I mean, they may be grieving their ideal family, they have, this child has now given them, you know, secondary trauma. So I realized I actually had impatience for, for parents in the beginning of my career. And then I realized how important it was that we treat the parents with the same trauma lens that we do the kids. So I love that it starts with kind of getting the parents on the same page and giving them the trauma lens or the perspective, but that you do it with the horse. So it doesn't seem so personal because when you're talking about you know, a particular child that's brought you through a whole bunch of hell, mm. you know, it can be just too close to home for you to look at it objectively. But when you use the horse, you can start to make those connections without such, you know, such a personal 
connection. So how do you see the parents react to that work? Um, well, I mean, we've had amazing results with, with uh, working with the parents first because they sometimes don't always look at things in a different way and you're not, you're being less specific or pointing the finger in a naughty way because you're using the animal to teach through rather than to them because a lot of people, um, I and mean, we used to call it the parenting workshop and people hated it because they, they felt that the barriers went straight up to begin with um, and, and people were um, thinking that you were going to be teaching them how to, um, you're teaching a parent how to be a parent and that's not, you know, that's not what we're about. We're teaching them how to look at things in a totally different way and also to look from a point of trauma. You know, a lot of these kids are calling out because they're not being understood uh, and they've got trauma and they need to be actually in a calm and relaxed zone to learn. So when they're in their high anxiety zone, which is um, what animals are when they come into us, for instance, in the rescue center, you see them in, in the what we call the anxiety zone or the panic zone. Therefore, the kids won't learn in the same way like you would be trying to teach a, a horse to, uh, to become soft. Their horses, the horses aren't going to learn unless they're in what we call the learning zone. Very often you see with the parents that, that the children are um, in the, the anxiety zone. So therefore you have to gain that trust with them first. But we, we do teach it, you know, through the, the, the animals. And, and um, when we show them what we call the emotion scale, people understand then what it is that is happening with the child and the behaviors and how it's affecting their family unit and also the child. So they get more benefit by learning that the child then comes into the learning zone and then they can get the teaching into them. Once they, the children are calmer and not anxious, it, 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 it changes things and, and they move forward much quicker as a unit. So can you tell me, is there any specific like examples or, uh, moments that you can remember where a parent was like, ah, oh, this is like my kid or like those, those moments where you realize like it's clicked for them. Yeah, I've got quite a few that I can think of. Um, we've got, um, a, a client that's been coming to us for, for a couple of years and we had them in on the parenting workshop and, um, it's when you see that R moment in their face when you talk about, you know, the way that their child reacts or the behaviors that they've got when they're in this high anxiety zone, um, that the parents actually realize that there's the similarities between an animal and a human. Um, and, you know, so the, these foster parents that we've worked with have been foster parents for not just, you know, one or two years, but probably 10 or 20 years. And mm. uh, when they say we've had training through the foster uh, agency or the adoption agency, but we've never learned anything like this. That's when you know that your your programs are way in front of their time, because this isn't how you should parent this is looking at it from a different angle and and then when they go away and they use their knowledge with their unit at home you then get the text saying this really worked or that really worked or i love the way that we did this um and we use the methods on the yard as a whole so all of our staff use the method of the emotion scale with the horses and we talk about how the horses are affected and, and what number they're at. And the same with the parents, we want them to talk in that language with us where they're looking at the behaviors of their children when they've changed their behaviors at home as well. So it's not just about the, the, the child changing their behaviors, they're the child. It's us that need to change as humans and, and as adults and leaders. And we should look at our own what it's be, what's being brought up in ourselves when the children react in the way that they do. So, you know, we the, the program, uh, the parenting program is two hours and we can't get enough into that program. There's so much to learn um, that, it, you know, it does sometimes go on 
over that, you know, three or four hours, but there's such a lot to learn for them to take away. So it's almost like they have a lesson first before the children come in. And then we start looking at the behaviors that the children have created when they're with the horses and how different they are with humans. So um, it just shows that children feel much more relaxed with an animal, whether it be a horse, a dog, sheep, or a chicken or whatever we've got, um, you know, children do behave very differently. And, and I normally say it's, it's session three or four that they'll start to see the big changes. Yeah, and, and horses are so amazing at showing us our energy. So just mirroring for us what we're bringing. So if a horse, if you're gonna walk into a round pen with a horse and the horse is walking away from you or having a negative reaction, then you can say like, how do you think the horse is responding to you? And the parent can realize like what type of energy they're bringing to this situation. And I think that you've talked about, you know, no, we're not teaching you parenting. We're just like giving you another perspective, but it, it feels a little bit like offensive to feel like I put myself out there. I'm going to allow a child into my home. I'm doing good things and like still be told like you need to change and I can get why why that would feel the way that it does sometimes but it ends up being easier because rather than like pushing against something to make the relationship work you realize what you can let go of and it and it, and it starts to feel like relieving and a release of pressure and, and all those things that horses love in, in your parenting becomes easier. It's not like, it, it's not to be looked at as like this mountain you have to climb and that it's gonna keep being, in fact, if you don't do the work, it will continue to be this mountain that you have to climb. Absolutely. But people have got to be searching for those answers themselves. They've got to be looking for a different way to be around their children uh, and their foster children um, and just because you know maybe they've had children um, themselves um, and then they've got foster children it doesn't mean to say that those children are all going to follow the same path and they're the same pattern um, I mean I've got two children one of the things that is, is important for you to know is that I've got two children and both of them are in the 20s I've got a son who's older and my daughter who's younger uh, and my son was very challenging as a, as a young, uh, young person and way more challenging than my daughter. Um, and what I realized was that he is very sensitive um, and very uh, in tune with energy. But as I'm bringing my children up, trying to be the best mom that I can, but remembering that I don't have any parents in my life that are giving me any role models, or I haven't had any parents in my life since I was 16, uh, and um, I was made homeless at 16 so I've not had any role models to follow so I did the best thing that I could in the best way I knew to be around my children I knew I didn't want to be aggressive and violent uh, but I knew that um, I, there, I, I hadn't got the answers to help my son because it, you know he suffered with his education and, and was very highly um, emotive and was very um, emotional um, and suffered a lot with anxiety and I think it came partly from the trauma he had as a as a child as a baby being born we had a very traumatic birth and um, he was taken away from me for the first week um, and um, his behaviors were very challenging as he was he was getting older um, and to a point where at 14, you know, it was, it was such a big, massive challenge. It then split my marriage. Um, but one of the things that I learned since my marriage split and through this work was how my energy and my feelings affected him to a point where I put that to the test um, a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Um, because what I didn't realize was that he was very in tune with energy and, and um, animals and me as, as a mum. He could read me if I was trying to hide things. So he, he, was, um, he was not using a mirror, but he was um, telling me things about myself that I had to learn. Um, and the reason that um, I know that he does this is that we learned how uh, horses do body scanning um, in my training and um, how um, horses read us. 
uh, and my daughter had a car accident two years ago and she was uh, upside down in a ditch and we had to go and fetch her out this ditch um, on, a, on a snowy day and um, we took her to the hospital and, and I watched my son square into my space and come into my space and, and, and come straight, you know, face onto me and I watched him do this body scanning and I would never have known that that was what it was until, unless I'd done my training. So I was able to completely calm my energy and take the panic aspect away that would have been there many years ago where my heart might have been beating because he could recognize that. He could recognize the energy in my energy space, but also the way my heart was beating. Fortunately, I was able to take the panic out of the situation and completely calm my energy and my heart rate down and um, he was then came down on his, his emotion scale and calmed right down. So that really made me, it proved to me that these methods really do work because I was able to do something that I'd never been able to do, do before. And he was 20 then. And in, in the 20 years before, I always tried to hide my emotions and feelings and try to be the brave one and put on a brave face and it didn't work. And it, it, it didn't work this time, but I was able to change the pattern of my behavior and do something in response to, to his reactions and calm a situation down in the same way we would do with a horse that was in that dominant situation maybe, or wanted to be in a fight situation with us. How you use your energy in your body has an effect on them. And we do, we use this, same sort of method with dominant horses and dominant children or young lads particularly yeah absolutely i love that and and it really gives a great perspective for parents entering any of this work or that are already in this work because regardless we are going to get triggered like it doesn't matter how many books you've read on trauma how many foster kids you've had in your like you it's an ongoing work right like you need constant wellness and constant constant tune-ups and then you need to redo the process every single time it's a new person because a new person brings new dynamics and we never know you know these little like pings of anxiety or when we notice our engine running hot those are all opportunities for us to work on our stuff. They're like little gifts of like, if you'd like to work on your stuff, it's here and it's ready to work on. And it's really easy for us to say, yeah, no, it's Billy's fault. Or if, if this wasn't around or if this person wasn't around or if this situation didn't happen, then I would be fine. But the truth is, if you're not able to deal with those situations in the way that's effective, then it's something within you that needs to be worked on. It's not a blame or a bad or a good or anything. It's like, it's, hu it's humans. So being able to one, go to a place that's fun and engaging, but also where you can work with an animal where it doesn't feel so, you know, like face didactic, you're like talking to somebody face to face. Um, and also just realize that it's always a process, it's always okay, and it's really just like a mental health check, and you get better and better as you practice. But unless you're willing to like jump in and say, oh, this is one of those opportunities, and the horses do it too. I mean, we get frustrated with horses. We realize our whole agenda has gone to crap, and we're not going to be able to finish any of it. Or, you know, there's times when we just get frustrated, get upset, and that's, that's the work. Um, where we go like, oh, right, like this isn't all about me and my day and what I had planned and all of that. And we need to stop and work on the actual issue, whatever it may be. And that's what natural horsemanship teaches, where it could take, it could take three hours, it could take three days. And it's very much the same approach that we have to take with kids. And I think it's super, not supernatural, but it's natural for, um, for us to be triggered all the time. And it's really just how much are we willing to uh, lean into those triggers so that we can show up better in our lives. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and I think working on yourself is um, a, an ongoing uh, project. Um, there will always be something new. Like you say, there'll always be a new horse that arrives that will teach you something that you've never learnt before. 
and it's the same with young people and children and and uh, you know i have it with staff as well uh where there's there's always something to be worked on um with staff um and, and i think it is an ongoing process and um it's something that um you have to be open to you have to be willing to be an empath and uh, want to learn and be open to change everybody needs to think outside of that box sometimes and look at horses that not every horse is the same and not every human is the same and not every horse and human is the same or that partnership so it's the same with children when they go into the foster homes you know they may you know connect with that with that foster family and it works and then there might be another one that comes in and it doesn't and you've got to look outside the box at the training methods either with the animal or with the child as to what is best uh for that that new combination i love that i really love that uh tell me a little bit i know we had talked about it uh before we started the interview a little bit about inner child work because i I feel really strongly about this idea and it's not just tactics of like breathing or noticing when your body's high or, you know, running high and regulating your energy. It's not just like things you can do today that are super practical. There's also some inner child work that I think all of us should do. Uh, can you yeah. talk a little bit about that and if you bring that into your sessions? Um, so um, obviously the trauma that um, I, I, I sort of specialize in trauma just because I'm fascinated by how it affects us and also obviously you know I'm always looking for the next thing to help with trauma. Um, so um, I'm a firm believer after obviously my childhood experiences that, that the talk therapy didn't work for me. So um, very often I, I get quite upset when I think um, adults or uh, adults are trying to push children into talk therapy uh, when they're not ready. Um, and one of the things that um, my work has taught me is that you deal with the trauma as it appears. We don't go back digging for the trauma because the trauma as we've already experienced and we don't want to go back and re-traumatize ourselves by talking about what actually happened to us as, as young children. Um, and also, um, and that's why I love the work that I do because it brings to the surface your, what your body naturally says, right, this needs to be healed right now. Um, and one of the things that I've learned about is this inner child work, which I have done myself to help me with my trauma, um, because um, it's, it takes you back in your life, but not to you reliving the trauma. So it takes you back to the feelings of that time, and you, you work with the, the small Dina, let's say, um, and you go back and you you feel how you felt at that time and you're not reliving that trauma. You are um, going back to that, that how you felt at that time and that can help release some of the traumas of that time without reliving the terrible things that you've already experienced once. Um, and I, I have done that, like I say, and it's really helped me to connect with that time in my life yeah, I love this inner child work so much. This is something that I recommend for the parents, the program directors, service providers, adults typically, but when it isn't going back and reliving your trauma, like you said, but there's sometimes when I go like, okay, I notice an opportunity. I've been anxious for the last three days. Something's really wearing on me. I start asking questions, you know, what is this anxiety about? Where is this coming from? And then I can start to discover a time in my life that maybe I felt this way or, and when I go back to that little Rebecca, we'll call her, like I can sit with her and realize what she needed and I can hug her and I can honor her and I can love on her and say like, wow, somebody should have been there for you. Somebody should have protected her that, wow, what, 
this amazing accomplishment you've done by becoming the woman you are today or telling that girl where she's going to be. So really like pouring into that little girl um, in the way that she needed to be when she wasn't given what she needed. And it's just honoring, like we, we want to be tough. I get it. And we want to steamroll over these things. And we want to, it feels a little weird sitting next to our former selves. Right. But, but I feel like if we can honor those former selves, we do like, we can give ourselves what we didn't get. And that's incredible to be able to take back that power and to be able to um, heal ourselves by going inward. So uh, if you guys, if listeners haven't heard about this kind of idea, do some research. And I totally uh, think that this would help a lot of people heal because all of these things that we have, every time we have these negative emotions come up, they're, they're attached to something. We've learned mm. something. Something's come online during the course of our life that says, this is a threat or, you know, to behave in a certain way. And our, that's when our coping mechanisms come up. And I can relate very much to uh, how you said some of your coping mechanisms were being aggressive. I don't know how many times I've been told you're intimidating, you know, and I'm like, oh, and I'm the most caring person. But I have to understand that sometimes I'm intimidating. And those are coping mechanisms that I've created. So I, I love that. Do you see your program ever becoming longer like when you said two hours for the parents i'm like oh man i could see this and i know funding is always an issue but like i'm like i could see this being a longer program or parents getting do parents ever leave and say like oh i wish i could do more time here yeah we get that a lot um and um we're we're moving site at the moment so i'm hoping to develop more of those types of programs because i certainly know it's needed and it's been very welcomed uh, by you know like i say even you know uh, foster parents who've had children for, for up to 20 years so they're learning something new that even um they didn't know was available to them um it's just funding in the UK, you know, the funding is uh, hard to come by. Um, but we are running our Project Pony, uh, which is the rehabilitation of a, 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 an animal alongside a, an adult um, with um, the National Lottery um, over the next three years. And, and each um, cycle of the programme that we run is up to six months. So they get one full day a week so between 10 a.m and 2 p.m uh on site with us they they get that for up to six months so they you know they get that support and and we have got some foster carers on that program that teaches them new methods which then then filters down mm -hmm. into the children whether that be you know their own biological children or foster children or adoptive children you know um I have got one lady that came on the trial um, of Project Pony before the National Lottery um, funded it for the three years. She came on it for six months with me and she had the most aggressive uh, adoptive child uh, and she was at breaking point. She was, um, just to speak to her, she was at breaking point and, and crying every day. Uh, and she said to me, you've changed my life Dina because you've changed my son's life as well and when people say that to you it, and it really does make your hair stand on and you know you've changed a person's life and that in turn has changed that child's life now she was the one that wanted me to have her child and fix him where I did the work with her over a three-month period and I changed her and him mm, I love it it's interesting to, it, it would be interesting to, I love data, but like I, it would be interesting to survey just adults in general and say, or parents in general and say, you know, how much of you believe that you have your own stuff that can be healed and worked on. And it'd be interesting to see how many people are willing and open to it because the more we can heal our own stuff, the more we can show up for others. And it's in no way is it uh, taking care of ourselves, taking away from others. It's really, it's giving back. Mm. So it's interesting, but I'm really glad that you have the space. There's a lot of 
programs that do just speak to the kid. And, you know, a lot of that comes down to even funding. Like, uh, I know when I had kids on my caseload, there was a lot of parents that needed guidance. Like, they were asking for it. And we're like, oh, well, the state's only paying for your kid. Like, you know, so because that was the kid that was in uh, state's custody or whatever. So um, I think that the, I know in the U.S. the system is getting a bit more holistic, starting to look at um, the whole family unit. But yeah, I'm just glad that your facility has a space and recognized how important it is to start, start with the parent. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So you've been... You've been at this for how many years? Uh, we're going into year six now. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you got your the funding that you got. And, you know, I really hope that this work just becomes more and more uh, accepted and available and seen as valuable because I just don't know how effective talk therapy is for this population and for a lot of people. I think I'm hoping that um, post COVID um, that most people will um, look at more holistic type therapies because we are safer outside. And I'm hoping that people are always are going to be drawn to uh, this type of work. Um, at the moment, still in the UK, I think we're 15 years behind you guys. I think. Um, you know, uh, people don't always see the benefit of being around animals and nature. Um, so I'm hoping that COVID has cleared the path, so to speak. So people found more nature in their lockdown and uh, being around animals. I know we've seen more people come across our uh, site because we've got a public footpath across the site. And I'm hoping that more people are drawn to realize how nature has benefited them at this time and how they need to look that up so in the uk what is the foster care is there a crisis over there do you have a lot of kids going into care yes we have a lot of foster carers um that have got children um there's a lot of children in what we call here um uh, children's homes um, and um, there's a lot of children in crisis in the homes. I deal with lots of children in, not just in foster care or adoptive care, but also in the children's homes. I think there's, there's also a lack of support as well for the parents, and that's why I've developed that parenting programme, because it's, it's the, again, it comes back down to, we're not trying to fix the children, we're trying to help the whole unit. Um, and there's a crisis really in, in support for parents because very often um, the, the, the issues that, the, that shows up with the children is bigger than maybe that, that uh, adoptive parents knew about or thought that they were gaining. So do you, what are your thoughts on how we're able to stop kids from coming into care? I think it's a pattern, isn't it? I think you're, you learn from your peers and I think um, bad habits roll over into bad habits. So I, I'd like to see, um, it's a bit like animal welfare. I'd like to see things happen sooner rather than leaving everything till the last minute until there is no resolution with the family unit and the children are taken into care. I'd like to see more solutions in place before it gets to that stage um, and working initially because I think people don't realize the impact that taking the children away from their parents has on them I've seen it in different from different angles you know in lots of occasions where the children really would never benefit from being with the parents and they're not taken away early enough and I've seen it where we could have worked with the family better and the children could have not had that trauma of being ripped from the biological parents um, and um, we could have solved the problems within the units. Mm. Like I say, I try and save some of them, but I can't save all of them. And it's the same with the animals. I want to save all of the animals on the planet and stop them all from having that trauma and that suffering. And, and, and I don't think you can save them all, but you can be there for some of them to support and change their lives. Yeah, I love that. Well, I absolutely love what you have going on and I'm so glad we connected.
I'm glad that the UK is doing more and more animal therapies and thinking outside the box. And uh, I know that a lot of these, well, Facebook and a lot of these like international associations and stuff are just, I feel like are connecting us all a little bit more. So I'm really grateful for that. But um, thank you so much for all the work that you do and using your, I think that everybody's path is for a reason and you being able to use your childhood trauma for something amazing that's going to help so many lives, I think is so valuable and is totally for a reason. Yeah, I totally agree too. Took me, took me many years to realize it, but yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Dina. Um, I will link to your website so that people can, brilliant. so that people can check you out when we um, share the podcast. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, and you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. I absolutely love talking to people in the field that are doing similar work. And it's so common that people in this line of work, in human services, in social work, or that want to be childhood mentors, that they have their own stuff. They have their own past and their own trauma. And it's the reason why they show up because that trauma actually allows them to be more empathetic and have a deeper capacity for empathy for these kids uh, or for others in general. So it's really common, but it's so important that we work through our own stuff. And it doesn't matter if you even had a trauma past or if you dealt with real significant childhood abuse or neglect. We all have stuff. We all have conditioned responses. We all have ways that we were raised. Uh, things that in beliefs that come online at some point in our life. And it takes a lot to unravel those things, unpack them, unlearn them, and kind of discover a new way of thinking for yourself. And it might not be wrong and you might not end up choosing a different way of thinking, but exploring that is so important to this work and making sure that you can show up for somebody else that has had similar experiences and people who have had completely different experiences. So I love what we talked about today. I love the work of the inner child. Start working with your inner child. Go back and sit with him or her and give him or her all the love and attention that she or he deserves. Believe it or not, 13% of our listener base is from the UK. So I really hope that, I know that Dina spoke to everyone, but I really hope that that 13% enjoyed hearing somebody from their side of the world. I love that these Zoom calls and being distanced actually has made us more connected to people that are way far away physically, right? But doing the same exact work. All right, guys. This has been fun. I will see you next week.